0: This is Positively Farming Media. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. You can hear it in my voice. Allergies and sinus issues have absolutely gotten the better of me since we last talked. So this episode is not going to be the one that I promised you would be tuning into here this week. Instead of talking this week about cold storage and dehydrating and fermenting your garden harvest, I'm opting for something um, a little bit shorter this week, just to save my throat. I didn't want to completely skip the episode, though, because there are two important points that I wanted to make, even with my limited voice, Um, and they revolve around modifying fruit recipes for home canning, specifically water bath canning. And pruning your tomatoes and peppers to get them to finish up the season really strongly before you get to your first frost. So before I completely lose my voice, let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen. I started gardening years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard, then moved to a five-acre lot outside city limits and expanded that garden to half an acre. What started as a way to provide for my family turned into a love for digging in the dirt and providing for others. Slowly, my husband and I built our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm through lots of trial and error and successes and failures. Eventually, I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, and along the way, I discovered there is power in food. So I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. This podcast is all about helping you become a better gardener and a better eater. Whether you're a seasoned gardener or have never grown a thing in your life, I want to give you the knowledge you need to get the biggest and best harvest you can. So, settle in, grab that garden journal, and get ready to just grow something. Okay, and so if you have made it to the end of any of my previous episodes in the last few weeks, you will have heard all the fun little outtakes that I've been including for you. Um, There will be no outtakes this this episode. Uh, There will be no editing this episode. This is going to be me in all of my stumbling glory because uh, the less talking that I have to do, the better for my throat. It is 98 degrees Fahrenheit outside right now, and I am drinking hot ginger and lemon tea with honey, which is not normally my drink of choice when it's this hot outside Um, but hey that's the way it goes so thanks for uh, thanks for dealing with the voice issue as you listen this week so the first thing that I wanted to discuss really quickly is modifying fruit recipes when you are doing your home canning we've been talking all these past few weeks about preserving the harvest as it's coming through kind of giving you the beginners basics I have a dear customer of ours that is just now getting into her first season of attempting to do canning. So she's already canned up a bunch of peaches that I brought her, and this past week I brought her tomatoes. She'll be doing her first batch of those, and then she has already ordered apples to be delivered that shows she can do her own apple butter. Well, while I was there delivering. She had one friend that was there visiting who also was wanting to can some apple butter and she had another friend on the phone and they were all discussing this apple butter recipe that they were going to use and the one friend on the phone mentioned that she would like to possibly substitute some of the sugar in that recipe for honey instead. Now I didn't say anything at the time. Because I wanted to make sure that I had my information correct before I broached the issue but I immediately started having little red flags going off in my brain and this was around the number one the recipe they were using because it looked like something they had just randomly printed off of the internet and number two the substitution of sugar as a preservative in that recipe and the amount of sugar that they did or did not want to use so This can actually be a really confusing topic because there are a lot of different sources that use phrases like sugar is a preservative. And it actually, yes, sugar is a preservative. But one of the things that I had to think about when I went to go back and double check to make sure that this was gonna be safe for them to do is that while sugar does help to preserve the color and the texture of fruit specifically, It is not necessary for preventing food spoilage when you are canning fruits, and that includes jams, jellies, fruit butters, um, whole fruits, all of these things. And, And this is very confusing, especially given the information that I gave you a couple of weeks ago in those canning episodes. So... I actually, I went back and I researched and I looked at all of my trusted sources, specifically the National Center for Home Food Preservation, but I also looked at different university websites. I went and looked at the Ball Blue Book of Canning again, and sure enough, yes, there are times when sugar can be used as a preserving agent to prevent food spoilage, but the levels of sugar that we use in jams and jellies and fruit butters isn't enough to prevent them from spoiling during the canning process. At some point in there somewhere, even the Ball Blue Book said something about it's meant to help keep it from spoiling once those cans or those jars are opened and you've got them in the refrigerator, it can slow that process down a little bit. But it isn't high enough to actually prevent them from spoiling during the actual canning process itself. I actually confirmed this. The National Center for Home Food Preservation says... You may prepare any chunk-style or pureed fruit with or without sugar using the procedure for preparing each of those fruits as given in their guide. I will link to that guide um, in the show notes. It even has a section that is dedicated to canning without sugar. And then the uh, Missouri, no, the Michigan State University Extension said that sugar is not needed to prevent spoilage. All fruits can be safely canned or frozen without sugar. Now, there's a little bit of a caveat to that one. I do know that uh, figs do need to be slightly acidified in order to be canned properly, but with all of the other fruits, there is that is true. They can be safely canned or frozen without any sugar and this has to do with um, the acidity level. It, has, it doesn't have anything to do with the amount of sugar in those fruits. It's that all of the fruits have a high enough level of acidity, meaning their pH is low enough to guarantee that they are safe to be canned without the addition of copious amounts of sugar um, or without the addition of any more acid. So, How did I get to this point where I was so concerned about my customer and her friends and me thinking that them doing this substitution was going to possibly cause them to can their their fruit improperly and possibly get sick? Well, here in Missouri, and I know there's a lot of states that are like this, we have what are considered cottage industry laws, meaning... If you are preparing food to be sold to the public, like at a farmer's market, and you are not considered a certified cannery, or you are not preparing those foods in a certified kitchen, the local health authority will regulate what you can and cannot sell. Usually, the this is limited to jams and jellies, full sugar jams and jellies, and fruit butters, um, and anything that is already acidic enough to be able to be canned without the addition of additional acid. This is why a lot of the time they will not allow the sales of salsa, right? Salsa needs to be acidified. And so unless the product is being pH tested, the health department can't guarantee the public's safety. So, okay, this I can see. But our local health authority also forbids the sale of low sugar jams, Because they say that it doesn't guarantee the safety of the product. Okay, which you and I now know is not accurate information. So if every fruit out there, with the exception of figs, can be safely water bath canned without the addition of sugar or acid, then why does the local health authority insist that it's unsafe? I have no idea. Um, But this must have been where... I had it stuck in my head or where those red flags began to go off about my dear customer and her friends wanting to can this apple butter up and substitute some of the sugars. Um, and, you know, and then once I started down this path, I went back to my own handy ball blue book of canning that I have used for over a decade, and I looked at my notes. And sure enough, in the margins of the apple butter recipe, I had indeed changed the amount and the types of sugar used in the recipe i guess it's been a few years since i made apple butter and i had just forgotten about that so in regards to the apple butter sugar interacts with the pectin in the apples and so if you add sugar it's going to aid a little bit in the thickening of the apple butter as you're cooking it down and so you know pectin is responsible for the gelling properties Um, in, in, in these different preparations, the fruit butters and the jams and the jellies, Uh, but traditional apple butter recipes actually usually call for about a cup of sugar for every pound of apples. That's a lot of sugar. That is a lot of sugar. So it makes sense now to me that I had gone back and, and modified my own recipes. And when you're talking about making jams and jellies, you need to have a certain amount of sugar for that pectin to really get going and be able to create that gel, or it will affect the consistency and the texture of your jam. So that is why you will often see recipes that call for quite a bit of sugar um, in in traditional jam recipes. There are low-sugar recipes out there, and there are pectins that are specifically designed to be used for those low-sugar recipes so that it doesn't change the texture but it has nothing to do with the safety of the product itself. So what safe substitutes are there for the usual granulated sugar that is called for in some of these recipes? You can safely substitute um, brown sugar, maple syrup, honey, and agave nectar, basically on a one-for-one basis for granulated sugar. You can also use the sugar substitutes sucralose and stevia. If you are new at this, again, I would recommend going and trying to find a good recipe from a trusted source because with some home canned foods, you can lose color and flavor and texture when you don't use the usual sugars. So you may end up with something that is completely different than what you had hoped it would be. So always use the freshest ingredients that you can and try tested recipes first and then modify those recipes to your taste from there once you get the hang of it. So the other topic that I wanted to touch on real quick this week was regarding pruning or topping your tomato and your pepper plants to get them to continue being able to be harvested from all the way through until either your first frost or your Persephone period hits. Right now, your tomato plants are, you know, very well may be looking really ugly. You might have some, you know, dead, dying, or diseased tissue hanging out there on those on parts of the plants, especially the older parts of the plants. If you haven't already pruned those off, that can affect um, how much energy is going into the fruits that you do want to continue maturing and ripening. The same thing goes with your pepper plants a little bit less to an extent or to a lesser extent Um, they don't seem to get as gangly and ugly as the tomato plants typically do but the thing that you need to remember is if you've only got about 30 days or so until your first frost or until you hit the time of year where you're not going to have enough daylight hours for those plants to continue doing anything then any blooms that are on there right now are not going to develop into new fruit in time. So there's a couple of things that you can be doing right now to help hasten the maturation of the tomatoes and the peppers that are currently on there, but that maybe aren't quite to size yet. And uh, to also allow those ones that are on there that are mature um, to be able to ripen up. So the first thing that you can do is go ahead and get into your tomato plants and prune back anything that is dead, dying, or diseased. Um, I put a video out, a a reel out on um, Instagram and on my TikTok that shows you exactly what I was doing um, with some cherry tomatoes. They were looking really ugly, and I pruned them back. But I didn't get rid of those vines uh, completely because on all of those portions of that plant, there were still tomatoes on there that were mature. They just weren't ripe yet. So I cut back those vines, and I... Harvested the ripe tomatoes off of them and then I left the mature fruits on the vine and I just put them into a crate and I put them into a a Room in the house that's at room temperature and they're gonna go ahead and continue ripening up on the vine Inside the house. You can do this with larger tomatoes, too Um, That way you you get to prune back some of this stuff and clear some of it out without worrying about maybe losing part of the harvest Um, With bell peppers um, and and other peppers, this, again, may not necessarily be needed, but what you can do with peppers and tomatoes both is to remove any new blooms. You either do this by topping um, the plant, which means to remove the new growth points, um, at the very top or the very edges of the the growing parts of the tomato to keep it from developing any blooms or just pinching those blooms off as you see them show up. It all depends on how many plants you've got and how big they are. Like I said, if, if you're only about 30 days out from your, for your first frost or your Persephone period, they're not going to develop into new fruit in time, especially larger tomatoes. A lot of the large tomatoes and the bell peppers could need as many as six weeks from the time they flower to the time that they develop mature fruit. And you don't want those plants to be putting energy into creating new blooms that aren't going to do anything. So um, prune them back and clip the blooms and this is going to preserve the energy for those immature fruit that do need a chance to get up to size and be able to get finished before the end of your season. This obviously is not necessary for really fast maturing fruits. Things like squash and cucumbers and beans, they you know only take a matter of days from the time that they bloom to the time that um, they actually have a mature fruit so you can go ahead and let those continue doing what they need you still do want to be pruning off anything that looks diseased or that looks like it's dead or dying because again that's just wasted energy going into those parts and again if you're in a frost-free area think about this in terms of your Persephone period if you live in a warmer climate Um, that doesn't ever get frost and uh, but there is going to be a point where your plants stop growing essentially because it's less than 10 hours of daylight then 30 days before that point might be the time that you decide to start topping you know these 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 warmer warmer season crops Um, and if you are one of the lucky few that doesn't have a Persephone period I don't think any of this pertains to you because you can really pretty much grow year round. Okay, that's it. That's about all I can do for this week. My voice is completely shot. So um, enjoy that for for what it was. Hopefully you got some good information out of that. And I will be back next week to tackle uh, cold storage of our um, garden harvest, as well as a little bit about dehydrating. And we'll touch on some fermenting. So until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden. And I'll talk to you again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, head on over to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com for all the episodes, show notes, blog posts, discount codes, and more. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. You can also head to Facebook and join a community of other gardeners asking questions and sharing their experiences in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. And if you want to support this show even further, head to Patreon.com slash JustGrowSomething to find out how. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning, keep growing, and we'll talk again soon.